Hello everyone, I hope your day's going well. Uh, it feels like another pretty pretty fall day out there. We're going to cover a passage of scripture from 1 Corinthians today in our summary. Um, and what we'll look at is chapter 3, verses 5 through 17. This is uh, the, past, the chunk of scripture we, we covered last Wednesday night, October 13th. And um, just going to give you a little bit of time to press pause and read through those verses. I think it would be beneficial if, if you were able to do that. So I'm going to give you a second to do that. Okay, we're back. And uh, this chunk of scripture could be subtitled, God's Field and God's Building. Um, as Paul is continuing to write to the church in Corinth, he's once again going to address the, the problem they have going on there that, that has the potential to cause some major division within the church, and that's the individuals within the church lining themselves up underneath personalities, underneath people rather than underneath Christ. And he's talking about, in this particular case, himself and Apollos. And then he does, it refers to it again um, a little bit later um, in, in the passage, verses, oh, verses 10 and 11, that there are others that are kind of lining themselves up behind someone else. And he doesn't mention specifically who that is, but it's obvious that it's not Apollos uh, because um, he would have mentioned Apollos by name. Now, for what us to understand is Paul um, describes what took place in Corinth. Paul came there. He preached the gospel initially. Paul left, and then sometime probably during the end of the second or the beginning of the third missionary journey, Apollos ended up in Corinth after meeting with Priscilla and Aquila in Ephesus, and he got there, and he continued to um, preach the gospel as well as strengthen the faith of the believers who were already there. So Paul initiates that, and the way he talks about this, is he says, I planted and Apollos watered. In other words, Paul planted the gospel there. Apollos came and continued that work. He watered the work, but it was neither one of them causing the growth. Um, he says it was God who was causing the growth. Now, this is kind of interesting. If you look deeply into the Greek of this, you will see that these verbs have different tenses. The verb used by Paul for himself as planted and by Apollos as watered are, is an aorist tense verb, or a verb in the aorist tense, meaning this, it was an action that was completed in the past. It was over, it was done with. Now, he also says, but it was God causing the growth. This is an, an imperfect verb tense, meaning this is a past action, but it is ongoing or enduring. So what he's getting at here is that it's God who's the one who's the main one doing the, this work. And God's work continues even after the days ahead when Paul and Apollos, their work is completely done. Even after they're dead and gone, God will continue his work amongst the church. Um, now, just continuing on, he kind of goes from saying, you know, this, this terminology of planted, water, causing the growth from a field. He moves from that into a building. And this isn't the first time in, in Jewish literature that this has been done. In ancient Jewish literature, a number of times, um, God's people were referred to as a field or a building. So this, this is nothing new. Um, 
And as we continue on through the passes, verses oh, 9 through 15 or so here, what we will see is that Paul lets it be known what his, uh, and what we also see from the book of Acts, what his regular practice when it comes to preaching the gospel. Paul was not one who wanted to preach the gospel where it had already been preached. He had a missionary heart. Um, he had a heart for evangelism, and he wanted to go to places to preach that had not yet heard the gospel. That's the way he worked. And um, so we get that, I mean, from from Romans 15, 20, you will, you will see that even more, this practice of Paul going to places where the gospel had not been preached. Matter of fact, he was writing the people in Rome, telling them in Roman, in, in his letter, the letter we call Romans, that he wants to come see them. But it wasn't just his goal to see them because the church was already, there was already a church established there. He wanted to go from Rome and leave that as kind of let that be a jumping off place as he worked further west into Spain um, where the gospel had not been preached. Of course, we know that, that all of those plans did not come to fruition quite the way that Paul wanted them to. Okay, now continuing on, um, Paul is talking about laying a foundation, um, and that foundation that he laid was Christ crucified. And obviously, we already know that quite well from so far in his letter, how much he's emphasizing that his message was that Jesus Christ came to die. He was crucified and he was raised, and it was through that gospel message that people can be and people can continue to be saved. There's only one who could fulfill that foundational role, one that is prophesied, by the way, um, in the Old Testament, specifically um, by the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 28, 16. Now, Paul goes on to talk about how the foundation is always Christ and people who continue to teach or in or um, grow churches through teaching and discipleship, they are building upon that foundation of Jesus Christ. And the point he's making by this is how are people building? How is he building? How are others building? Because the building that is done on the foundation of Jesus will be tested. What is Paul getting at by that? Um, for, for one thing, he makes it very clear that this test would come in the form of fire. Now, two New Testament fire tests, and this isn't exhaustive, but this is the most, um, I guess, the most repeated and emphasized two tests of fire that come from the New Testament when it comes to the work of believers. The first one is um, persecution. Uh, matter of fact, Peter wrote um, a letter, First, we call it First Peter, to a, a, a group of, of Christians in a pretty large um, regional area, and he was writing them specifically for the purpose of encouraging them and preparing them for a persecution that was to come, and he called that persecution a fiery ordeal. Um, you read about that in 1 Peter 3, verses 12 and 13. So that is the first type of New Testament fire test that is referred to. The second one is final judgment. Um, you can read about that in 2 Corinthians 5, 10. Um, you can read about that again in Hebrews 12, talking about how God, our God, is a consuming fire. Um, and what Paul is asking the, the, the people of Corinth is this, if they are building or if anyone is building upon the foundation of Jesus Christ, that foundation is rock solid. Nothing will shake that foundation. But will what we are building on top of that foundation, will what we are building pass the test? 
And he said, there will be punishment if what we are building does not pass the test. Now that punishment, look in verses again, 12 through 15, is not condemnation. I mean, those who are doing this work are still in Christ, but they will have nothing to show for all of their labor. All right, And then he goes on to talk about the other thing. If what the, the work they have done passes the fire test and remains, there will be a reward. Now we know that this reward cannot be salvation because that is a free gift of God. So what is this reward that Paul is talking about having passed the work that we do for Jesus having passed the test. Well, you can read about some of the rewards. Again, not an exhaustive list, but some of the rewards in the New Testament. Reward in Christ, you can read about that in 1 Peter 5.4. You can read about it in James 1.12. You can read about it in this very letter in 1 Corinthians 9.24 and 25. And they all talk about something, about a crown that will be given to those who persevere, who endure for Christ in this world. And... That that is a powerful thing. I mean, what does that mean? Does that mean some crowns will be bigger than others? What do we do with these crowns? Do we wear them in heaven? What is that getting at? The crown of life? What 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 is this amounting to? Um, I do think that everything that we do in this life will we do for Christ, what we do for him, we do for God's glory. I've heard many times people say that the crowns that we receive will then be laid at the feet of Jesus to his praise and his glory, which I think is very biblical. Um, but there's a little hint that we get from the very next chapter um, about reward that I, I think it would do us good to take a look at. And it comes from, I'm going to read it for you, it comes out of 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5. I want you to listen closely to this. Paul writing, he says, Therefore do not go on passing judgment before the time, but wait until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the things hidden in the darkness and disclose the motives of men's hearts. And then each man's praise will come to him from God. I think that is a big hint about the reward that Paul is talking about here. Think about this for just a moment. When you were a child, or perhaps when you had a time in life when you had young children, what does any five-year-old want more than anything else from mom or dad? And you could put a lot of things in there, love, care, protection, um, those sorts of things. Um, I don't know if a five-year-old would even understand protection too much, but I will tell you what a five-year-old does understand. They understand praise from dad and from mom. There is nothing that a five-year-old wants more from dad and mom than praise for their actions and for their work. Um, and that is no different for us. Um, can you think of anything better to be told you when you get to heaven, then Jesus Christ himself looking you in the eyes and saying, well done, good and faithful servant. Um, that is going to be so rewarding um, to those who work hard in Christ. Now, verses 16 and 17 go on to talk about the temple of God and how, um, how we house the Holy Spirit. 
Um, in this sense, in verses 16 and 17, it's kind of talking about a little bit more of a corporate sense. We're not going to di- dive into it too much because we're going to get into it more deeply in chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, when it's a little bit more of an individual, personal sense in which we are the temple of God, more specifically the temple of the Holy Spirit. So, um, we will wait for that uh, a few weeks. I appreciate your time in joining us today. I hope that you can join us tomorrow evening. Um, That will be Wednesday, October 20th at 7 p.m. We'll meet in the sanctuary. There will be a meal before that at 6 p.m. if you'd like to join us. And we will wrap up um, the rest of chapter 3 tomorrow evening. Again, hope you're having a good day. Um, Come join us tomorrow.